Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor podcast. We have an extra special guest, Matt Bendit, here with us from Peerspace. So I dropped a question in the queue about who here in our group would love to learn how our member was able to make over a thousand K or about a thousand K thereabouts with a daytime rental type of strategy utilizing peer space. Peer space can be used for a multitude of activity. Her property actually was rented out by HBO for several hours. They conducted an interview I rounded up to a thousand. It was nine hundred and seventy some odd dollars, but definitely, I know a lot of you are interested in this conversation. So I'm super excited to bring him here, so that you can get all of your questions answered. So for those of you who are listening on the podcast, definitely chime in, join the group, so that you can join the conversations and have your questions answered live by these experts. So Matt. You are the founder, co-founder of PeerSpace. Is it founder or co-founder, Matt? And I humbly apologize. Hey, no worries. Yeah, I'm a co-founder at PeerSpace. Awesome. All right. So introduce yourself to the people. I am looking forward to getting this conversation going. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. My name is Matt Bendet, and I'm a co-founder, as I mentioned, at PeerSpace. We are a marketplace that really strives to allow any activity outside the home or office to happen in PeerSpace. And we want to bring hosts and guests together in real life to create memorable moments, whether that be in their work or in play. And we specialize in three different major verticals of activities. So there's meetings, there's events, which really can be many different corporate and social events. And then there's production, which can be film and photography related. So pretty horizontal marketplace, but set up in a similar way to what you might be familiar with. If you're a short-term rental host or Airbnb host, you provide your property. It can be booked by the hour for many different activities and you can set different pricing depending on what that activity is, price by attendee, price by day of week, et cetera. So we give you a lot of options on how you can monetize your space. Awesome. I love, love, love that. Matt, tell us why did you decide to launch this product or this platform? We decided back in 20, end of 2013, actually, that while marketplaces existed like Airbnb, it was a really novel concept to allow people to share their space with others you know, and be able to unlock doors to really unique and creative spaces. 
but there wasn't something that was really good for functional uses. And if you've ever worked in a really great, inspiring office, and we come from tech companies as our background before Peerspace, we were used to that, kind of spoiled by that. And we wanted to be able to bring that to the masses. So anybody who's in, in search of inspiration could find a really unique space to hold whatever activity it was that they were planning. And that's how the idea came about. We launched in San Francisco in 2014. And since then we have expanded to many different markets across the country, as well as in Canada, Europe, the UK, and now Australia. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize you were in the UK and Australia also. So that is pretty amazing. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, I said, Jeff, the UK, we launched London in September of 2021. Australia is just getting off the ground now. We're getting our first host and getting ready to go live there. Oh, me, Julie George, my mentor. I wonder if you guys are going to connect <laughs> on that front. <laughs> Yeah, I know Julie um, and she knows about it. And yeah, she's very excited. <laughs> awesome. That is really exciting. Um, Julie is actually my mentor when I was in Legends X. And so she continues to support me in my business that way. Super excited that you're in Australia. So that is awesome. So which markets are you finding, or there may not be a differentiator, but which markets are you finding, if any, where there's more of a prevalence of peer space utilization versus are there markets where peer space is not necessarily, doesn't necessarily have a use case, so to speak? Yeah, I think there's a use case everywhere. It's just a matter of how much coverage and how much inventory is available within a market. I would say that our largest markets are the big cities so far, but that's because we also launched there and that's where the most people are. So you can expect good amount of business inquiries if you're in New York, LA, Chicago, Atlanta, those types of markets. And, but, the, but really the filling in has been happening across the country. We have spaces that do really well that'll be in the suburban areas outside of Boston, for example. So really starting to see that I think that after COVID with a lot of people scattering about because of work, being able to work from home and flexible work, live environments, it's allowed the business to proliferate into many different areas. The reality is people need to come together. Still, it's, it's a very innate part of what we seek is togetherness as human beings. So. The meetings and events, while they have been down during the pandemic, really starting to come back over the last six months or so and production, there's been just a ton of content creation happening. And we see that in markets where you wouldn't expect there to be a big production presence, but there's photographers ever, everywhere. There's everyone from YouTubers to brands who are creating their own content to the larger production houses and companies like HBO, like you mentioned, that are using Peerspace every day and booking in cities across the country. Very interesting. Matt, could you give us kind of an overview? So what exactly is Peerspace? Yep. So Peerspace is a marketplace where you can rent space by the hour for many types of productive activities, from meetings to events to film and photography shoots. And we feature a lot of really inspiring commercial and residential spaces that can be used for these different purposes. And the host sets up their listing. They can create listings depending on the activities that they want to receive bookings for. 
and they can customize what those listings look like and the prices that they cost for the price that they cost per hour. Awesome. So what's great about PeerSpace for those who haven't interacted with it yet is those hours in between bookings, you definitely have an opportunity to leverage those daytime hours for those who are looking for to put something together, a small event or a short photo shoot in between. So it's definitely another tool that I think is really important to add to your tool chest. So if you have a space that's very aesthetically appealing and your space really should be, and although we're talking about events here with Matt, when we typically think of event space, we're thinking like, the auditorium of a school or that center in the county center or something like that. But these are actual properties that you and I may be leveraging in our short-term rental Airbnb business. If it's staged appropriately, it may fit the need of an individual who's looking to do create some content to uh -huh. uh, record a quick demonstration of some sort, record an interview. So a lot of it is the aesthetic appealness of that space. However, I feel as though if you have a space that's a little bit unique, you can leverage that as well because these content creators, whether they're YouTubers or actual professional film producers, they're wanting to provide some type of visual that is a little bit different. Matt, how does one prepare their space for peer space? How do we I guess, have the proper materials, tools set up for that, say, content creator that lives probably a couple blocks away, but they need to step away from their own property to a place that's quiet and settle. They can come in, do what it is they're looking to do and leave. What are some of the tools that you found to be really sought after and helpful to equip a peer space type of space. And it may depend, right, on wh who that individual is, what they're looking for. Could you give us a little bit of those yeah. gems there? Yeah, totally. So what, I guess I'll start out. There's a lot to talk about. I think if you're a short-term rental host on Airbnb, for example, you're typically used to having overnight stays in your space. What's different with peer space is we're not an overnight accommodation marketplace. So we don't do travel. We do meetings, productions, that, that kind of thing. And what we've seen is our guests are really interested in using spaces that are unique, like you mentioned, or really well appointed, have great amenities, or just really inspiring, clean, have a nice open space. They want to meet with their colleagues. So we'll see meetings in, in backyards, in living rooms or game rooms, and then photography and film, just like you mentioned before, the content creators really big market for that. And what they like about these residences is the aesthetic of the, and the individuality of the space itself. They want to be able to picture their content coming to life in the backdrop that is your space. So while there are many photo studios and production studios on the platform that are actually set up with backdrops and lighting rigs and things that would allow you to create content that way, there's also many location scouts, managers, content creators that want to see your space. Is it a bohemian space? Is it Southwestern? Is it modern, contemporary? What, what makes it unique? And they're looking on our platform to see if it's going to fit the vibe they're going for. 
And I should mention they're willing to travel as well. It's not like they're just going down the street or to the next town over. If you've got what they're looking for, especially if they have a client need, they will cross the metro boundary for you. And so we see a lot of that. We think that's why, and also Airbnb hosts or hosts that are familiar with using platforms for as rental properties, they get it too. They understand how this works there. You'll get requests or you'll get an instant booking, how to follow up through the platform to the guests to answer questions and to verify everything on the day of the booking and provide that level of attentiveness that others who are new to this may not be as prepared for. They may be not as successful as a result until they learn some of those skills that this community already knows how to do. Just call that out as the uniqueness of the spaces is is your biggest tool and the way you merchandise your listing, which is all things that a host should know how to do because of other platforms. And then, yeah, how you use platforms, being attentive to requests, answering questions, having some level of attentiveness when the booking is happening and just making sure that the person who's booking the space has a really good experience is what drives the great review on the booking and helps you get the next booking and work your way up the search search order rankings and so forth. So if you've done it, if you've done this before, then there's a lot of similarities. There are a few differences as well, but yeah. Oh, awesome. I absolutely love that. And one thing that I didn't think about, Matt, is the willingness of that scout or that individual looking for a space for their client, their willingness to travel. So I think my my hypothesis was that primarily in the bigger cities and just save the surrounding outskirts. But in fact, you have something really unique that they're not going to find anywhere else. Yeah, it would make sense for them to go a little bit off the beaten path to get to that space if it's going to make the impact that they're looking to make. So that's pretty, pretty cool. And I love you calling out the fact that most Airbnb hosts, they already have that expertise in that communications, the concierge, and to definitely connect with it. Because that's something I even struggled with when I first got on the platform is having my alerts in place for peer space to make sure that I'm seeing when we're getting those inquiries for sure. But so tell us a little bit more about the different types of guests that you've had and what they're looking for. We've covered so far filming and photo. We've covered meetings. We've covered events. Can we go a little bit into that? So when you say events, I know that I was able to find a place to to put together a small baby shower. I'm looking for a place. Julie's actually coming to town and we're going to look to do a mini book launch. And the first place we went to was Peer Space to find a little venue to do that. What are some other events that you've seen take place at some of these residences or these locations? Yeah, events are, it's a big category, as you can imagine. Yeah. And not all spaces are suited for certain kinds of events. Residences, especially, I think, first of all, private property, you've got to make sure that there's you're taking care of the safety of yourself, your property, as well as the guests and attendees that will come through. So what we typically see for events that are small, that work really well are, yeah, exactly what you mentioned, uh, something like a baby shower. We get a lot of baby showers. I actually had, for my first child, we had our baby shower in a pure space venue. Uh, it's, it's perfect. It's yeah. the right size for the space. Backyards can be great. And we're at, now my daughter is four years old and we're going to be looking for a space soon. We have to decide, oh, do we want to do it at our house? Do we want to do it at a park? 
Is there a peer space that would be a great fit for what we're looking for? Kids' birthday is another good one. But we see, depending on the space, we have large event venues, we've got theaters, Mm. corporate events happen in some of the larger spaces, holiday parties, press events. For those that have really interesting spaces or, or properties, like mansions and whatnot, depending on the event, it can, certain cool things can take place, DIY weddings. So a lot of options. I try to steer most hosts towards meetings and production that have residences just because they're a bit more turnkey, particularly if you also are sharing your calendar on a different vacation rental site, you know that you're going to be able to manage both things and within your calendar's timeframe. And I love that. So you mentioned the other categories. So you said meetings and production. So for instance, interviews, that would fall into those categories where, you know, they want to shoot an interview in a well-appointed space with nice bookshelving and all of that. That's one of the spaces that we have curated. And also with meetings, who's meeting in a peer space? Are these mom and pop types of small business owners? Are these corporations? Who are Um, those guests? Great question. Uh, Also just really runs the gamut of what we've seen. We've seen therapy sessions between Mm -hmm. therapists and a patient or a life coach, that kind of situation where it's one-to-one. We've seen nonprofit groups get together to host mini seminars, either with employees or with some of the community that they've invited. And lots of startups use meet spaces for meeting purposes, particularly those who have a flexible work environment. Maybe they don't have their own office. Peerspace, we're actually a fully remote company. So every month we get clusters of employees who live somewhat near each other. We'll book a space in a central area and everybody comes together to work together for the day. Oh, um, nice. So yeah, we see a lot of that every day. What can be a large company like a Facebook all the way down to a startup or a sole proprietor that are hosting meetings and what they need for a good meeting in the most, in most cases is some sort of AV setup. They need to airplay a presentation that they've made from their computer that's set up somewhat near where the tables and chairs are. Some hosts that go above and beyond to create a great experience will provide things like easels and flip charts so that the guests can brainstorm just spend that time that they're together collaborating and doing things that will ultimately create a great experience for them. So things like that. A lot of guests also appreciate a living room type experience for their meeting because they're used to like you and I are sitting in front of the computer all day. If you've got a good space that can accommodate that and allow flow to different parts of the house or the property throughout the time that they've booked, that's that tends to work really well. I know that my team and I, we last month were in Brooklyn and we did this in two different spaces. And it was really cool to have a different environment each day to work in. That is so cool. And you dropped a whole bunch of gems there, Matt. So thank you for that. So you mentioned, so the, for the guests who do want to go above and beyond, and that's who our group is, our hosts actually who want to go above and beyond and segment ourselves from the market. There are so many options out there, right? Why be standard? Let's level it up a little bit. So thank you for those suggestions of having the easel, having that set up so that those guests could really leverage that space and have what they need. You mentioned easels, flip charts. What are some other things? Do you find spaces where content creators are looking to 
perhaps record an interview like this interview right here. I could very well have done this in a peer space if I'm in an environment, for instance, where it's noisy, I got all the kids, all the dogs going bananas. So I could have essentially rented out a peer space for two hours to make sure that I have, I'm fully engaged and I'm, I have no distractions and I'm able to execute. I know content creators, they go to peer space sometimes to batch record whatever it is they're going to record and release it. And so for those types of venues, if that's who I want to attract, would maybe something like a ring light, some kind of setup with a backdrop? What are some of those things that yeah. those individuals are looking for? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think if we're talking about going above and beyond and really capturing the bookings, there are many things you can do to take a page out of some of the most successful studio spaces that are on the platform and providing those amenities in your space as well. So yeah, backdrops are great, which is the roll backdrop on paper with the stand. I've seen those in some residences, maybe it's in the spare room. The I've seen pops of live streaming and podcast studios are also pretty prevalent on the platform. So that's something depending on, especially if this is something that you do professionally from your home environment, you can set something up like that. And the platform allows you to be a marketer. So if you dream up what your space can be and what you're going to provide, then you can merchandise your listing that way. And you can say, this is a podcast studio, or this is a content creator's dream set backdrop or something that we've certainly see the host that focus and try to own some category tend to do pretty well. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. And we just, we allow you to customize. So let's say you have your same physical building, your same four walls, you can have one listing that shows that as a meeting space and another listing that shows that as a production space. That means you can have a different cover photo for each. You have different photos altogether. Your description can be different. Your price can be different. Production spaces might be a little bit less per hour than a meeting space or vice versa, but you can decide that based on how turnkey the space is or how many attendees you will allow in the space at a time and so forth. And then, yeah, you can just really go to town on making sure that you're well merchandised for the inquiry and inquiries and demand that you'll be getting. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. So essentially someone can charge anywhere from, I've seen $50 an hour, a minimum of four hours, something along those lines, $200 an hour, a minimum of four hours. And that's really during the daytime hours, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. is where I have seen those listings land. Am I off, Matt? No, feel free to overwrite me and correct me. What's those price ranges for those hourly right. rates? That sounds Yeah, and we're working to provide more price guidance to our hosts too, because that's okay. one of the most frequent questions we get from new hosts. We ask them to look competitively. You look at the other spaces near you that are selling for this are trying to do. And also think about how do you get your first couple bookings going? And then maybe you ultimately stabilize at a certain price that you're most comfortable with. But yeah, you can price anywhere from $25 an hour to several hundred dollars an hour, as you mentioned. It depends on how much volume you intend to get or want to get. Certainly some spaces that are priced at several hundred dollars an hour, they may only get one booking every once in a while, but it's going to be a full day shoot with a big brand coming to pay that money. And then there's other spaces that take the quantity approach and they want to get a booking every day. And so they're priced totally differently. 
And both can be winning strategies, but you just have to really think through your goals and how much action you want to get from the platform. So yeah, I, I think that's, it's really, I, that's what I would advise hosts to do first is look in their area look at what other spaces are, look at the listing quality compared to their own and ultimately go through some trial and error until they figure out what works. I think that's awesome. And what I love about peer space also, it's almost like an open market where you do get to see what others are charging. If you see some property that's comparable to yours, that definitely is a good guidance component. If, for instance, you offer a little bit more, you can tweak it up a bit once you have that experience. What are some small special touches that you have seen help <laughs> the process that some guests can rave about? Because I can imagine if I'm going to a content house and if I have unlimited, I will be a happy girl. <laughs> what are some of those amenities that I would say, although Peerspace, for those of you who are jumping in, Peerspace doesn't necessarily accommodate overnight stays, but there are some of those daytime, those amenities that would translate well, both ways, having that coffee, maybe having some bottles of water. What have you, is that correct, Matt? What have you seen? Yeah, there's certainly no expectation that hosts should go deep out of pocket to provide amenities that will ensure that they create a good experience. We certainly love that when hosts do that. And I would say that, yeah, it can be anything from, yeah, providing some, some beverages or refreshments for, especially for the meeting, having a bottle of water at every spot on the table or something is a really nice touch. You're, there are lots of small things you can do that just show that you really care and you're attentive. I see lots of things like welcome peer space on a whiteboard or something to just let them know, Hey, the booking's in here as you approach the front door, things like that, that that just adds that extra touch. I also, unlike Airbnb, because you're not spending the night here, we appreciate host supervision of their space during bookings. And so it's perfectly normal, reasonable for you or a site rep to be on site, to welcome them into the space, to show them where everything is, to say, hey, if you need extra plates, they're up here. Every host does it differently. Some hosts have QR codes where you scan them and then you can watch a quick YouTube video that they recorded about how the space works. Others are there, do a five minute walkthrough and then leave them to, to have their booking. So those are all things that I think really make a difference. I see all the time in five-star reviews, how people are really like the connection that they had with the host specifically, how attentive they were and how responsive they were to their questions and, and messages in the platform and so on. So yeah, I don't think that there's a lot of extra work to be done. I just, I think it's really about providing some level of hospitality and attentiveness is the difference between a good experience and an okay one. Awesome. Awesome. So that really translates well, Matt, and you highlighted that a little bit earlier. Who cleans a home after a peer space event? Are cleaning fees charged when booked through peer space? Yeah, great question. Yes. So we do have a cleaning fee tool that hosts can use where they list the price that it costs to clean the space. You can also forego the cleaning fee and just price it into your booking price. Some guests appreciate that because the more the, the prices get broken out in all these categories, it's, they start to feel it more. So it's really up to you as the host, how you want to go about it. We offer both options and it is the host's responsibility to clean the space, except for excess space. And occasionally there might be something that wasn't planned for, and we'll handle that through our customer experience team, working with you and the guests after the booking. But if 
the space typically costs 50 or $100 or whatever, and you want to pass that on to the guests, you have the option to do so. Awesome. Awesome. And so that brings up another question that I have had asked. So Matt, what about, tell us a little bit more about that extra situation. We have to plan for all the eventualities. How do we mitigate some of those risks? Are there any insurance involved with peer space? What if someone breaks my stuff? What if they steal my stuff, Matt? What are we going to do about that? <laughs> yeah, I would say that it's very, it's a very rare occurrence when something bad happens or there's missed expectations on a booking. We do have whole process in place though. First of all, we have host insurance. So host insurance is a supplemental general liability policy up to a million dollars. It's real insurance. So if you're, if there's a claim made against a host for liability, negligence, somebody hurting, hurts themselves, or um, someone's pointing the finger at the host, that's when our insurance will evaluate the situation, the claim, all hosts and guests should be insured primarily for the activities that they have on the platform. But this is a supplemental kind of peace of mind policy to be there in an instance where God forbid something, something bad happened and um, you need the extra coverage. So we have that. On top of that, there is a missed expectations system at the end of every booking. You can report things like overtime or damages to property. And we have a team that mediates those. So we'll work between host and guest to try to get some agreement on what happened. We'll collect evidence. It's not always the most fun experience, but when it does happen, we have a process to figure out what happened and, and do our the best we can to make sure that the host is properly compensated for what's transpired during a booking. Unfortunately, sometimes something does break during a booking or something like that. We need to look into it with you. Awesome. And it's good to have that in place because you want to be prepared for any eventualities. We have homes that unfortunately encounter hurricanes. It's, some things are natural, some things are not so natural, but it, you do want to be prepared and have a framework on, I call it damage mitigation or disaster mitigation, if that were to occur. So I do appreciate you sharing that with us. So tell us a little bit from the perspective of a guest. I'm glad you shared for sure some of the raving reviews that you've heard from guests about the host, the extra special touches. And I love that's something our guests notate about our properties too. We have local honey, all of that from a short-term rental overnight perspective. So you mentioned having the waters or some great touches. And of course, it's not exactly mandatory, but it is the extra special touches that gets that guest booking your space again and again. And when you start to really participate in this peer-to-peer or this sharing economy, you want to be the one that kind of sticks out from the crowd and is a little bit more of a memorable space. And that guest communication and those special touches, really, they make the difference. Where have you seen, and I'm not, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. Is that the terminology, throw anyone under the bus? But where have you seen, say, hosts, and we can talk about guests, where have you seen hosts missing the mark? Because a lot of my my community here, I would say some of them know about peer space and some do not. 
So I don't want us going into this with our eyes shut. I want us to know, you know, where some hosts have missed the mark so that we don't make those types of mistakes also. Matt, tell us. Yeah, there's a lot of small things. I would say that we have a really high NPS net promoter score, which is survey questions of our guests after bookings, where we ask them how likely they are to recommend peer space to a friend, and we're consistently getting really high industry level scores. And I guess I want to first make that clear that chances are, if you have a good space and you're attentive during the booking and you're attentive to people's questions and you answer them properly, it's going to be a great experience for them. And you're, of course, going to get paid for that and get hopefully more bookings as a result. So usually what I see guests getting off on the wrong foot is occasionally we'll see maybe the space wasn't clean to their liking or they were charged a cleaning fee, but they entered the space and they noticed the countertops had some dust on them or something like that, right? And so they'll be distrustful that the space, that they're being held to a standard that they didn't provide uh, as a host. That's something I would think about. I really think making sure that you're responsive to inquiries and politely declining, even if your space can't accommodate the booking or if the availability isn't there, That's really important to be able to get back to people. It's something that our system picks up on automatically, as you can imagine, in terms of how to get more visibility on the platform. We want to see that you are ideally helping people get bookings. And another sort of related item to that is syncing your calendar or just staying on top of your availability. Now, if you are an Airbnb host and you're used to syncing your calendar through the iCal system, I'm excited to say that's something that we're actively working on right now. We do have a calendar sync system, which can connect with a Gmail calendar. So if you already send your calendars into Gmail, then you can sync it and it will automatically keep your calendar current. But we're going to make it so that you can just share iCals with each other as well with your other systems so that you can make sure that you're not double booking yourself. What I'd say in the meantime for hosts is just make sure if you're doing multiple platforms that you keep an eye on that, that you don't create situations where you have to back out of a booking last minute. It's really Mm -hmm. bad, as you can imagine, bad experience for guests. Oh my gosh. The host has to cancel and we are, we give some leniency, but not a lot to repeat offenders there. So those are probably the things that we see from time to time that create a suboptimal experience for guests and can get in the way of your success. Awesome, awesome. And they're very similar to the overnight stay platforms as well. Having a space that's not clean, that's a no-no. And lack of communication, double bookings. It's like, those are the things you have nightmares about. (laughs) Having to somehow try to manage canceling guests because of a calendar sync oversight or not really keeping up with it. So thank you for bringing that up. And so it really isn't out of our wheelhouse, guys. It doesn't sound like it's a huge stretch to go from what we're doing already is a short-term rental host to hosting in our properties for peer space. I do have another question. So we talked about, I don't want to call it bad hosts, but situations where, you know, hosts have dropped the ball. What about from the guest perspective? What have you seen has gone wrong? What are some bad guest situations or guests that didn't really meet expectations so that as we're, you know, I'm going to be renting out a space for a small mastermind really soon. I want to be a good guest. Or as I'm looking to get more guests for peer space, I want to be able to keep an eye out on what can go wrong. 
Yeah, totally. I just say really over communicating what it is about your activity. So there's no surprises when the booking starts or when you're setting up and the host possibly interprets that you're doing something more grandiose or different than what you said <laughs> you were going to do over messaging. I think that's really important to set expectations. Obviously our terms govern that really strictly. Can't misrepresent yourself or your intended uses. During a booking, that's too late to find out about those things. So I think it's important for the host to be asking the questions. And if you want to be a good guest, just really making sure that you're booking this mastermind series. What does it really entail? How long is the event? How long do you anticipate setup and cleanup to be? What types of amenities do you really think you're going to need access to that you saw on the listing? Which amenities are you going to be bringing? Maybe you're bringing catering or maybe you're bringing extra chairs or something. It really just depends on what you're booking and just being able to communicate that after, either during the request phase or immediately after the booking has been accepted, but before the booking starts either is really a best practice so that the host can be aware and be ready to support. One other thing I thought I would add, since we're talking about amenities, is we also allow hosts to provide premium amenities, which we call add-ons on your listing. So let's say you are a photography studio, and I just use this because it's an easy example to understand, and you've got a bunch of lighting rigs or cameras or backdrop, premium backdrops that you want to offer. You can price those out individually and the guests can choose to add them to their booking in addition to the hours rented. So that's another revenue opportunity as well. Maybe in your house, you have just extra extra tables and chairs in the garage that can be set up to accommodate the booking. You know, maybe ideally they're provided like all in, but if you feel like it's going to be extra work, you can add those and you can, those can be an optional purchase that comes with the booking. And I think that is so cool because one thing that I talk about in our group is how do we own and operate the fewest number of properties that generates the highest profitability? So it's not about the number of properties for me. It's how well positioned that property is. And if you're able to do it correctly, you could squeeze as much juice as you can with that property. And I'm not talking about nickel and diming or anything like that. But in, if you're attentive to your portfolio and say you have one or two properties, you can every quarter, you can up level it a little bit, add on an extra premium something where you can then charge your guests and guests are willing to pay for it if it makes sense for them. And if it's going to save them time, if it's going to save them hassle, why not? And that's why we started offering pet-friendly accommodations overnight, because we realized that more and more guests were asking for it. And instead of boarding their pet, that's a premium. That's a premium. We upped our price a little bit. We don't delineate it. Like you said, Matt, it hurts a little bit more when you're, I, our avatar is not one that we want to upcharge and upcharge. So we'll add it in there and they see the value because they're getting all of this. But yeah. I love that, that you're giving us an opportunity to, to make it better and then get compensated for it. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong for nothing yeah. wrong with that at all. So I so appreciate you answering. So what properties would you say would be a non-starter? Now this probably won't work. Is there such a property? What are your thoughts? Normally, I would say no, that any property really has the potential to be viable on pure space. But I would caveat that your space should offer something unique and interesting. If it's just like a apartment with bad natural lighting and <laughs> what looks like 
totally nondescript. It could be any apartment. Those get booked, but there's only so many of those that you need on the platform. So you really stand out when you can provide some kind of variety in your space and the way that it's situated. But yeah, I, it's really hard to say. We love the variety, how interesting some of these spaces are that get added. And we're still seeing new things. We have car dealerships on the platform. We have like castles, really cool architectural marvels, residences, that kind of thing. And it's just really, it's great to see all the different variety that comes in and we're building more and more tools in the product so that our guests can find what they're looking for and be able to search for keywords that really help bring those to the forefront um, of their searches so they can find those spaces. So I would, if you're interested or curious on whether, you know, your space is going to work, I would take a peek at what's available and see if there are others like your space that have plenty of bookings. You can always shoot an email to help at peerspace.com too with your question. We'll try our best to answer for you or just submit your listing at peerspace.com slash host. And you can, you can also navigate to that from the front page of our website to add your space and just get started. And our team reviews every listing before we set them live. Not a lot of work to do to get to that stage. And then we can give you some feedback. Awesome. And I love that. I love that they are reviewing because sometimes you put something out there and you wonder, did I do that correctly? So that's awesome that you're getting that feedback and you're getting that review in the process. So I cannot thank you enough, Matt, for being here with us. How can our community reach out to you or your team if we have any questions about starting and setting up our listings on Peerspace? What's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, you can reach us on any social media platform. Instagram and Twitter are great ones to ask questions on. Uh, you can also email our customer experience team at help at peerspace.com. And we've got a world-class team that's ready to assist and answer questions as best we can. So yeah, I would say those are the best ways. We pride ourselves on being pretty responsive and we'll try to answer the questions we as the best we can. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much tonight, Matt. So guys, I hope you're all inspired. I hope you have the wheels in your head turning to figure out if there's a way you can position your whole property or a room into a podcast studio if you're already doing that or setting something up. Let's make it happen because having property, having access to a nice property that's well-appointed really puts you in a position to win with this sharing economy. How do you see if a listing gets peer space bookings? Probably from the reviews, Matt, is what I saw, but you feel free to overwrite me. Yeah, that's the best way to check is look at the reviews they have on their listing, the number and their star rating, obviously. Um, in order for a review to be public, both parties have to review each other. So just because you may not see a star rating doesn't mean they haven't received bookings. That's going to be harder for somebody who's browsing the marketplace to see. But most high, vast majority of people are, are leaving those reviews and you can get a really candid experience of what they did during the booking and who they were. In some case, though, we mentioned what their job was and what they booked for. Awesome. And so the best practice, would it be to go to peerspace.com? That's P-E-R-S-P-A-C-E.com. And there's that, the fields there and those search terms you can add in where you are, what you are planning, where and when. Do you fill all of those out typically, Matt, or you can just fill out what you're planning or you can yeah. fill out where? 
Is you that- have to pick. Uh, you have to pick what you're planning and where, so mm-hmm. that we can service the search. You don't need to plug in a date okay. uh, to see what's there, and that's just because, like I was saying earlier, hosts get to decide what listings they want to create and if they want to have a booking for event or not. For example, so your space may show up depending on the activity that the guest is searching for. So- and yeah, you can go on PeerSpace.com or you can. We also have an iOS app. If you're on, if you have an iPhone, you can use a lot of hosts use the iPhone, of course, to respond to messages working on Android. So hopefully for all you Android users, we'll have something soon as well. So you'll see different things. Sometimes the cover photo doesn't show exactly uh, what like a recording studio would look like. You kind of have to thumb through the different photos, but yeah, lots of spaces. You see the review count and then you can click into any listing to learn more. Some of these hosts have filled out their enhanced COVID-19 measures, which is important, particularly earlier on in the pandemic when people needed to make sure that they were booking safe spaces. But yeah, this is the experience that you'll get. And then we have obviously a mobile version on iOS. Awesome. Awesome. So if you have a space that's similar, however, if you have a space that's, for instance, a single family home, and you're looking for, say, is there a way to look for a home in here, perhaps space type? Yeah, you can do space type. You can do the style. I mean, you can click like loft or farmhouse or something. So these are filters you can use. So if you look up top where it says, what kind of space are you looking for? There's recording studio, daylight studio, dance studio, production. So this is a way to quickly filter on the types of spaces that you're looking for. And if you were to do a new search, maybe just do photo shoot. See more options for different types of spaces. And so there's tagging stuff happening behind the scenes that's going to make it easier for our guests to find something that they're looking for. And typically, if you're looking for a residential space for a photo shoot, you'll be able to pick the style like you saw before, bohemian, loft space, ultra modern, mid-century. And you'll be able to see different spaces that have different stylistic or design themes. This is intriguing. Sweet. Gave me an excuse to do a quick little demo here. Awesome. So for those of you who are listening on the podcast, we're actually in Peer Space, just looking at the various properties that are in a particular city. So this is a great way to do a comparable analysis. If it's a city that you're in and you're interested in identifying whether or not your property would make a good Peer Space hourly rental, here is some proof of concept. We have some with 52 reviews. We have some with 18 reviews. This one doesn't have any reviews yet. It says new space. And I saw on the studios a little bit earlier, a couple hundred reviews and so on and so forth. So that's an indicator to you that this is the type of space that someone is looking for. And it gives you an aesthetic and it's very unique. All the walls on this particular space are black with a lot of white trim. So very interesting. I can see that photographing Mm -hmm. in a very unique way as well. So super cool. I thank you again, Matt, for being here with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks a lot for having me. And uh, yeah, looking forward to working with you and any members of your community. Awesome. Guys, you heard it here. This is another tool to add to your tool chest on leveraging your beautiful properties that are short-term rentals for these hourly rentals. So stay tuned. Next week, we're going to be talking about taxes again. You know how much I love talking about taxes, but we will circle back then. I hope you're inspired. Bye-bye for now. 